Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. This is just to let you know that the Cinema Catch-Up Club has an official Patreon page. If you'd like to become an official member of the club and get some bonus goodies, including early access material and bonus features only available to our patrons, then please join up at patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast. And now for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, we are watching Drop Dead Fred. Woo! Yay! The reason we're watching Drop Dead Fred is to mark the fifth anniversary of the passing of the actor and comedian Rick Mail. Oh. I know, that's very much how I'm feeling. Uh, we, we decided that, yeah, we really wanted to do a Rick Mail um, something on the, on, on the anniversary, the fifth anniversary of his, of his passing, and Drop Dead Fred kind of stood out as being a really good one, so that's what we're doing. Uh, joining us, as always, we have someone who has seen the film and someone who has not, our guest who has not seen the film, and back on the podcast for the first time in, I think, more than a year. Way. It's Michael DeGrasse. Hello, hello. How you doing? I'm fine now. Yeah. Yeah. You've just been frozen out for a year. Yeah, frozen out. Oh, you know, it's I've been just... been asleep. Wasn't your last one Snow White? You ate a bad apple. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. That witch. So, um, Michael, just My for... My name's Tegan. For, oh. the, for the folks at home. Yes. Um, uh, who are you and what do you do? Oh, where do I start, Tegan? I don't know, Michael. Uh, Where well, do you start? So it starts back a while ago. I've been doing some. No, I'm just. Uh, I, I'm a. I'm a guy. I um. You know, flesh and blood. Um, <laughs> I've been uh, running a business. You know, doing that. Doing that seven days a week. Mm. Doing some gigs and stuff. You, you know, do some music. Pretending to be Paul yeah, McCartney from time right. to time. I have yeah. seen one of your pretendings to be Paul McCartney. Oh yes, with Tegan here pretending yeah. to be Linda. That's right. It was yeah. it was very good, I have to say. Oh, if you much. are in the Perth uh, metropolitan area and you need your fix of wings, uh, these are the guys to to come and have a look at. But yeah. you'll have to book us because we have no upcoming gigs. Yeah. <laughs> Love, take me down to the street. <laughs> so, Michael, drop dead, Fred. Yes. What do you know about this film? Well, okay. I'm going to say this. I'm sitting a bit of a distance from Tegan because I know that you care greatly for this movie. Mm. And I, I never never watched it because I feel like I'd already seen Beetlejuice, mm-hmm. right? So it was one of those things that came out after Beetlejuice without the knowledge of what the movie was. You're like, I don't want to see the, the poor man's Beetlejuice. You know, like it's, mm. I'm assuming it's completely different. But it's just that whole movie are based around this sort of imaginary character Hmm. which beetlejuice was he imaginary no well i don't know beetlejuice (laughs) well you're not the only person based your entire reason for not seeing this on the i was a kid i was looking at it going (laughs) you were a fool yeah no i'm aware i'm aware (laughs) well you're not the only person that had this uh this misconception about um drop dead but fred being uh beetlejuice light or sort of like a quasi rip-off almost um this film had a lot of issues getting funded by studios and it was Mm. partly because they were looking at it as oh this is just another beetlejuice and we don't want that why wouldn't they want another beetlejuice really oh because of people like me i get it now they made the musical eddie perfect wrote it's on broadway at the moment they turned it into a musical musical. yeah Mm. 
a, mm. Beetle, a Beetlejuice ago. <laughs> yes, I was waiting for that. Is there anything to do with the Beatles? No. Uh, that would have been good, good though. That'd be cool. They're making one of those too. A Beatles juice musical. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, can you pass me the... <laughs> Orange Sea. Orange Sea. We haven't even watched the movie Paul, yet. Can we and we're already talking. Do you think pineapple will work? <laughs> oh, said the fat controller. Mm. Yeah. And joining us as our guest who has seen the film. Hello. It's Tegan Mulvaney. Hi. Now, wow. Tegan, you very much insisted on being on uh, mm. any any screening of Drop Dead Fred. I believe I said I'd take your kidney if yep. I didn't get to do it. And mm. I need them to yeah. filter urine. So, Both of them. Yeah. Only one, really. Well, true. But, you know, I yeah. feel like this, this could be a mistake I make more than once. So that's why I'm keen <laughs> to keep point. them for as long as I can. Fair point. What, uh, in a vague, non-spoilery sort of way, what is it about Drop Dead Fred that you really uh, appreciate and enjoy? Uh, Rick Mayo. He is... I, you, know, you know, I'm a comedian, um, so there's there's a lot of influence from other comedians that are along the way, and he is someone that I idolise. I think and always have. Grew up watching the young ones, and then this is like peak from my childhood, peak age, 1991. I was, what, I've been seven? 20, oh. What? I was going to say 20. That's no, I would have been nine. Nine? nine. Oh, I was 29. Way off. 29, no. Um, Oh, no. I can't do maths. Um, You're born in 83, right? 84. 84. What's That's that math? Seven. seven. I was right the first time. <laughs> God. Too busy watching movies to <laughs> learn maths. Um, and it's just so dumb and violent and silly and rude. And it's just so much fun. And then Rick mm. Mayle is... I think he's at his absolute best in this film, you know. Well, I was going to ask, in, it's sort of like... In in his pantheon of work, uh, where, where does this sit along? You know, with things like Young Ones, his Blackadder appearances, uh, Bottom, Woof. Um, all, all, all those <laughs> different things. Is, is this up there with them, would you I say? I think so. I mean, this film is, it's a bit of a paradox, I guess, because it's, I think it's such a hilarious and wonderful film, but it, we'll talk about it later, I guess, but it was so confusing to the American audience, which is what was trying to be broken into mm. by Rick Mail, that it it's in, I'm really interested to see what you think about it. Yeah, well, at that at that age I wasn't watching this. I was watching Mr. Bean mm. and Blackadder and Open All Hours. That sort of British stuff. I'd never never sort of bottom did that even exist then? Uh no, this was bottom, bottom was came 90s, after yeah. this, bottom would have been yeah cuz this is when they came back and started and he made a few things. I think Rick Mail went on, he did a few things solo and then they were doing comic strip presents through this as well. Mm. Um which is bad like bad news and um five go mad in Dorset and those sort of things. Um I would put this up there but I I think all of his British work and the comic strip presents work is Top young right. ones in comic strip presents, mm. um, and his Vanessa Redgrave um, ode, which is on YouTube, and everyone should watch that, which is freaking hilarious. All right, well, everyone should watch that, but first, I think everyone should watch Drop Dead Fred. So, shall Indeed. we jump into it? Yes, yes please. Yes, we should. All right, for those of you um, listening at home, pop in your DVDs, or if you're in the state of Western Australia, download it from iTunes because <laughs> it's just not in any stores anywhere. Nope. And wind up your jack-in-the-boxes as we prepare to watch Drop Dead Fred. Woohoo! 
And welcome back everybody, we have just finished watching Drop Dead Fred, and by we I of course mean Michael and Tegan. Hello. Hello again. Hello again. So, Michael, yes. that was your first time watching Drop Dead Fred the whole way through. It was indeed. What did you think? It was it was great. I mean, I honestly, like, how could it not be good, right? Mm. Rick Mayle, yeah, in a movie yeah. in the 90s, right? Mm. I understand... Look, I don't want to say anything bad about this movie because you Tegan's can say, but I will. Be, I'm not going to say anything I'll bad. Show okay. No, well, it's not. I'm not going to say anything bad, but I can understand why people didn't like this. It was so confusing who that movie was aimed at. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, so I would really confusing. Agree. It's like yeah. all this childish humor aimed at kids, yet it's so not for kids. It's uh, really confusing. I love really, it. It really isn't. Um, looking back on it, because most of my experiences watching it i think the the uh, until now the oldest i'd watched it i think it was like 13 14 yeah and it is a very different film watching it as as an adult yeah um i think it's a very i kind of agree but i think it's a very meta family film like mm. it's there's so yeah. many on the surface it's all slapstick violent comedy very silly poo jokes mm. but that family dynamic and particularly the ending i know that a lot of um, reviewers and of the time had issues with how nostalgic that ending is. But I find it really, it even still gets to me now. I remember when I was a kid, and I don't know, not, I had a great childhood. It was not that we had divorces or anything in my family, but there was something about that element of not knowing who you were as a kid and not mm. being able to find it. That, that used to resonate with me then, but only now I look back on that and go, oh, that was... That's what that was. That's what that yeah. feeling was. And so I, it's almost like, it almost does what I think Pixar films try to do nowadays and maybe they're a bit more successful because they're animated. It's a little bit more subtle there. Yes, and yeah. because it's animated, you can create fantasy worlds with yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, only, I only thought of that just then in that watching where I was like, gee, this, that idea that she's so lonely and depressed mm. and sad when, as an adult yeah. because her childhood has literally been locked away. That's such a huge task to to deal with. Yeah, it it is a really interesting film in the sense that it, it as you say, it on on the surface of it, it's the oh, it's the film where Rick Mail like runs around, is in silly costumes, looks up ladies' skirts, you know, just just doing all this wild, childish, and idiotic behaviour. But you are right, underneath that, there is there is a really interesting examination of. Of things like mental health yeah. and things like um, even self-identity to an extent, yeah. um, which is probably why it's exactly what you said. It like who in the, particularly nineteen ninety one, who would you target that film yeah. at? Um, yeah. Because it, we we may register that now in today's film. You know what we see in films today because it wouldn't be as out of place in today's film world as it probably was in the nineties. Yeah. Mm. Um, it just probably it was uh, when was Beetlejuice? It was 89. I, I just feel like that movie was just probably just bad timing. Yeah. But saying that, would it still be so great if it was a really really popular movie? I think it's one of those movies that everyone remembers, hmm. and that's probably a good thing. Well, I mean, I had an experience um, as uh, mentioned previously. Mm -hmm. I could not get a DVD copy of this in yeah. in the state of Western Australia just because. It's not currently 
in order in um, yeah, right. in a lot of places. But I went to uh, JB Hi-Fi, the unofficial sponsors of the podcast, because that's where I get most of <laughs> the DVDs from. And when I mentioned that I was looking for a copy of Drop Dead Fred, the two um, guys behind the counter, they laughed, but they laughed like with, oh, I remember that film. And they yeah. both they both unprompted started going, oh, what's your favourite bit? I love the bit where he's just lying on the floor and looks up uh, the mob's skirt and goes, ooh, cobwebs. cobwebs. <laughs> and they, they just had such a lovely thing and they were clearly both um, people who loved Rick Mail's work mm. and really had strong memories of this film being yeah. fun. And I think it is a film that, having watched it as a, as a child and, and now coming back to it, it is a little bit fun having that that reconnection with with Fred, with this yeah. really stupid character who is amazingly performed by Rick Mayer. It's, it's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Like for an adult to be in that adult world, and I think the Americanness of it as well. Like mm. it's they don't kind of shy away from it. They they. Well, that's what I was going to say. That like it starts out a really nineties American yeah. movie, yeah. but then when he kicks in. I kind of got a bit of Australian, like Yahoo Serious kind of movie, mm. uh, very, very um, young Einstein kind of feel to the just some of those scenes with him in it. It was like, yeah, this is really, they, it's not so American, but then it is, and then it oh, goes. Yeah. And, but that makes it because I guess Australian comedy is based on somewhat Britain, influenced yeah. by both sides of that. Yeah, um, I just, it, oh, I think just, it's just how much he adds to it, you know, yeah. like. Mm. If it was anyone else, like let's say they had Michael Keaton or Johnny Depp, it just would have been an American movie, they right? They would like if that was today or late nineties, that would have been Jack Black. They Jack would have Black, cast yeah. in that, and it would have been not a great film. There, I think it would have been a straight to video. Yeah, that there are some uh, alternate casting options which mm. we can discuss in the trivia section later. Yeah. But, but I just mean I think that mm. the Britishness of him and what he at what he. You know, I think all of those stunts and all of those stupid <laughs> things that were done, yeah. that's all him. He wanted all of that in there. And there's a whole list of things that they wouldn't let him put in there because they wanted to keep it PG, I think. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, it is interesting because there are things that happen in this film which kind of make you go, ooh, uh, he's talking about cutting off the mum's head quite a lot yeah. in this scene. Uh, it, it, I mean, it, the thing that I really love about the character of Fred, though, is that Fred... Not only is it a fantastic performance, but the way that he's written and performed and his interactions with the child characters um, is that he really honestly feels like something that a six-year-old would invent. Yeah. Someone who says, we'll eat her and then we'll poo her out. Like all that kind of stuff. <laughs> that line, yeah. when I watched this film with my daughter when she was four, mm. um, you know, it was the first time with her watching it, introducing her, introducing this gem to a new family member. Mm. And when he goes, and then we'll get up and we'll poo her all over the table. Maisie and I laughed at the exact same time in the exact same way. We both went, ha, ha, ha. And then I knew that everything, everything was all right with the world. Yeah, yeah. She's definitely my child. Yeah. It yeah. was really lovely. Yeah, the hospital, you weren't sure that was the moment. Yeah, yeah. just in case yeah, they yeah. did a switch. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, Rick Mail, this part was written for him. Like, it actually he, was? He, yeah, yeah, he was okay. He was always the... the um, the Fred in their mind. Okay. But you do also have to counter in the fact that when you're taking this particularly to American studios, they might want an American actor. Yeah. Mm. And so... Because Young Ones was really big in America. Yeah. Um, so he had a... He did have a following, a bit of a cult following, but mm. he he did... Yeah, he was known-ish. Mm. Yeah, because I was wondering how that... How how an American... I mean, yeah, I guess if the Young Ones was done before, that would make sense. But yeah, I was kind of thinking how they would get Rick Mail. 
who why decide him? Why decide that's English? Why decide him? There's one of the mo- <laughs> one of the most depressing interviews I've ever seen is Rick Mail being interviewed by Letterman when mm-hmm. this was coming out. Oh yeah. It's really sad right. because okay. I think the feedback was already coming through that they weren't getting it. The audience wasn't getting it. Yeah. And he it was, you know, he's he was known to be very egotistical, mm. you know, beautiful man but a huge healthy ego mm-hmm. and it was at this point where it was really bruising him. Uh, <laughs> Maurice wants in on the podcast. Yeah, sorry. Hello Maurice the cat. Decided <laughs> to come in and say hi. Um and yeah, and so there's this interview with Letterman where you can just see, and I think probably because he was bipolar as well, is he's hitting a low and he's having to talk to Letterman and Letterman doesn't but, get... I mean, that wouldn't help, having to no. talk to David Letterman. And he just, we can tell that he just doesn't get this person yeah. who he's talking to. Mm. That's that's really sad yeah. uh, to hear. But I mean, I mean, this film, critically, when, when I was doing my research on it, um, it's got very low like metacritic reviews i think the rotten tomato review is like nine percent like it is which is ridiculous didn't i this is what i said about space balls as well mm. and space balls wasn't even that low yeah it's a foolish thing mm. to i don't understand these ratings on these sort of films well i think it's also partly that um that i mean there are just things which which tickle certain people in different ways, particularly with comedies. I would say that this is a better film than Spaceballs, for example, because there's just bits that I found funnier in it than than I did Spaceballs. Um, and I'd just say it's differently funny because it's not yeah. a... Sp- I mean, it's not a spoof. It is a, yeah, it's, a it's, genre it's, unto itself. And kind that's of. kind of the thing with comedies is that they are so unique, even within their own yeah. genres. Like, you know, something, something like... Um, you can have an absolutely something like Arrested Development mm. and something like Brooklyn Nine Nine, two entirely different shows, but both in their own way uniquely funny. Yeah, uh, they they pick on particular things, even things like um, Blackadder, which which yeah. featured um, Rick Mail as as a guest star occasionally. Um, Wolf, yeah, as, as Lord <laughs> Flashart. It's Nursey. Have I got a canoe in my? No, is it? Have I got a canoe in my pocket? I'm just happy to see you, Wolf. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I I thought that was so funny that mm. movie. Like so much of that was just so funny. The guy, Carrie Fisher's partner. Yes. Just oh, gold. I was think it, that's it? always forgotten about in this film too. You're right. When Murray. M- Murray, Ka- sorry. Murray. Yeah. Is this a girl thing? Like <laughs> every single character is given a moment to be comedic. Even yeah. the mum, even the shh, shh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, with the break. Yeah, yeah, with the break. The police. Yeah. Every single yeah. person is given time to shine yeah. in the film. With Carrie Fisher's character, it's, it's, it's all her kind of like, not new age, but like contemporary, like thinking, like yeah. you know, it's like you're you're a modern woman. You don't need this. And so when funny. she's doing her exercise, where she's like, "Ask me when the endorphins kick in." They're like the body's morphine. She, while she's smoking a curry. <laughs> you notice that he's not in any of those shots, though. Mm. They keep him out of it. And Marissa was saying before about Ben Elton on the this Rick Mail documentary they made after he died. Mm. They, um, Rick Mail was just. He just knew that he was going to steal the scene. Everyone knew he'd steal the scene. He knew he'd steal the scene. Mm. So you just let him do his thing and then he'd leave. And so I, they've just let people have their scenes without him, but yeah. they're still really funny and they work so well in the film. Yeah, and it, it, it is interesting because I think objectively, re- removing my you know enjoyment of Rick Mail and the work that he's done, I don't think this is a very well put together film, yeah, but, it's a, but it is a good film with... The thing that they got right is their is their lead star. It's mm. the, for example, the the 
problem with the films of um, sort of the later end of like Eddie Murphy's career, part of the reason they didn't work is because Eddie Murphy just was no longer connecting with audiences yeah. the way he'd done previously with things like The Clumps, which at the time were enjoyable. Fast forward 10 years to things like Norbit, which is, you know, they're both objectively not great films, but that central star figure um, was working in one and not the other. Mm. And I feel as though with Rick Mayhill, this is just absolutely the right performer yeah. to to carry this over the line um yeah well when you when you're saying about it wasn't you know as, as the overall movie if he wasn't in it mm. was just so many moments where they and i i mean who who was the director or eight de jong australia um australian where, where are they american i believe they're dutch yeah okay. they've done a few of these films though i've I'll have to look it up, but oh, um, De Young, De Young, De Young, yeah, it would be so, De Young, De Young, because um, I've seen that name on other early '90s yeah, right. films like this. Because that's what I, I was thinking. That a lot of these things, a lot of things that happened in that movie, they cut really short, perfectly. Yeah, like the boat sinking. Oh, it's great! You don't. It need starts to see it. going. It starts yeah. going, and then the last bit's just gone. Which is hilarious. And the the nurse getting hit in the head, and then the next thing is them just walking, just completely ignoring her, and she's walking out with her head. But do yeah. you notice the detail as well? Like, you know, when he goes, um, when he makes her the sweater striping when they're having the burglary, and then he goes, one, two. When he counts, his fingers are covered in <laughs> shit. Like they're yeah. just, and it's so funny that yeah. he's done it on purpose. Like yeah. there is. I think that's what makes me love him so much. And all of them, Jennifer Saunders, Dawn French, Aid Edmondson, Rick Mayle, mm. shush Maurice, um, Peter Richardson, Nigel Planer, Alexi Sale, is, they, they do comedy to a fine detail. Mm. Um, and that is mesmerizing to watch. Yeah. And it, it, I mean, the thing with particularly the character of Fred is that it looks as though it's spur of the moment improvisation and it's it, it also obviously isn't because everything has to have been set up in such a way where they might have imp- mm. workshopped the idea beforehand but then yeah he's, he's clearly gone through and thought what is the way i can make this look the funniest or yeah. Yeah. how can i move or hold myself or if i'm dressed in this way what's going to help um so like for example when they're at the ball and he's in the the sort of the who, the who oh, from whoville so <laughs> and he's on the floor and um, pushing himself along looking for charles just the way he's moving with the way his hair is and the noises he's making as he oh, moves so uh, before incredible. he finds Annabelle is just re- honestly just fantastically funny. Um, it just really tickled me. I love, shit yourself. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, but I will say it's what makes it better is that Phoebe Kate's performance in it. Yeah. yeah. She is phenomenal in this film. Well, and, I mean, oh. she, she is essentially playing two uh two films worth of characters yeah she's playing the uh young woman who is having mental health issues um from like a more serious film almost like a uh like a girl interrupted or something mm. like that where it's you know like w- when she's having those moments of, of freaking out and and breaking down it, you believe them absolutely you, and then likewise her interactions with fred for the more like light-hearted kids comedy kind of film she nails them both yeah, and like and the thing you pointed out when we were watching the the dinner scene with with uh, oh Nikki and like you, someone is actually moving her arm. Yeah, <laughs> it, you, it looks like someone is moving her arm. Yeah, that, she's great. She's incredible. The scene that always gets me because I still cry in this movie every time. Mm. I cried in I cried tonight mm. as well. Um, 
is when she's just gone to the doctor and she's at rock bottom. It's just before they break out the window. Yeah. Um, it's the before the um, the mud pie scene, mud oh, yeah. pie as a kid, where she is immobile in mm. bed. She's. It's really I find that I, that smashing together of those worlds so beautiful to watch and really heartbreaking because she's playing that girl interrupted, you know, mm. totally at rock bottom, depression, can't move, can't think. She's just staring. She's glazed. She's staring off in the distance, mm. and he's trying to get her to to break out of that. And it's this is when they're in his world, right? No, no this before is, they. This is when this she's is when he, uh, she's back at her mum's home. And they've got the pills and the nurse is yeah. there. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Um, I find that really intense to watch because, you know, you think, you think getting serious for a moment, but you think of all the people, you know, we working in the arts, mm. there's a lot of mental health issues in the arts, a lot of people we know with mental health problems and mm. you kind of just wish they had someone who was able to go, you know. Boom, shit yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Break out of this and... The idea that her self-worth is what her mum thinks of her and her husband, who's mm. a horrible man. Yeah. Who loves saying the name Annabella. Yeah, I'm your fella, Annabella. Annabella. <laughs> but even that's kind of, that's where that messed up side of it, we mm. go, geez, this is actually really full on. Mm. I mean, the, the, the husband, Charles, who clearly doesn't really love her. She's just an, an easy squeeze, essentially. And he, he even says that he thinks he's in control. Yeah. And it's a great performance um, from Tim Matheson as Charles because he's, he's playing a scumbag. And it's yeah. a scumbag that we're all meant to not like, but he's also playing it in a way where you believe... It, it's not someone who's just like the worst of the worst, like super No, you scummy. can see how she falls for it. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, again, a really well-balanced performance. Mm. Um and it's it is heartbreaking to see that to see someone who who is struggling and also the fact that she's very she she thinks she needs to be married to be happy yeah like when fred first turns up she's saying i'm not happy i i need to go back to charles and so fred's like great okay how do we yeah. get him back and then he's back and he, and she he's like why am i still here you know yeah when, when he's right at the end the romantic dinner salad yeah, and was it Mickey? Is that his name? Yeah, Mickey. Mickey, Mickey Buns. Yeah, he's he's good. You can tell like that. Yeah, that obviously that's what her path should be. Mm. Yeah, you can tell that from the start. Yeah, which is that's but they fine. don't shove it down your throat, which no. is really good. Again, I think there's. I just think it's great. I think it just and doesn't... he yeah he had his moment in the restaurant. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. that was that was great. <laughs> he, he just went. You know what? Great, let's do it. Yeah. Starts throwing spaghetti. I love it in the truck. When he... <laughs> Just such a... He's a complete and utter girl, isn't he? <laughs> Great, stuck in a truck with two girls. Yeah. <laughs> I love that bit. It is... Um, we haven't touched on uh, Polly, um, mm. uh, Liz's mother. Incredible. Just wonderful as a she performance. She always plays messed up mums. I'm sure she yeah. was in the, um, the uh, Judy Garland... Um, Telly movie as Judy Garland's messed up mum as well. well. She does oh, it so well. The, the telly movie about Judy Garland. About Judy Garland, right, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, she wasn't Judy Garland's mum. Mm. She was Judy Davis's mum playing Judy Garland. Uh, too many Judys. Okay. Too many Judys. But in this specific film, um, again, just, just playing that... It, it is an archetypal character, the sort of horrible upper-class American mother who's just very much like, oh, darling, just drink your problems away. You know, that kind of yeah. thing. And, but, but it's a really 
good performance. Yeah. And also, I think in the flashbacks, you do sympathize with her a little bit because she has this destructive child that she's got, she doesn't know how to control or to help. Mm. And so she tries to control. And as soon as she finds that thing that kind of stops this, the, the obvious things like the mud pies and, and yeah. all that, she uses it because she's getting no support from Nigel. Their relationship isn't working. Um, he's just generically British yeah. <laughs> in, in all of his scenes. He's, he's good at it, but he's just this generically British guy who's not necessarily supporting her or trying to fix the problem, um, mm. po- possibly because he doesn't necessarily view it as a problem. But he's also not the one that has to clean up the mud pies and do all this sort of thing. Um, it's it's a it's a really interesting character. She's still not you know a, a good person uh, or a good yeah. character or not someone we're meant to like. But I did find myself sympathising with her at the end where her daughter says, you know, Liz says, find a friend. Yeah, she's alone. She's shut everyone out. Mm. But I I like, because they, they, you know, they, they stated a few times that Fred only comes out when mum's not around. Mm. When she's there, he's behaving. He yeah. Again, I find, I feel like that's a metaphor for what these family dynamics can be like where you have a restrictive parent who is or a restrictive uh, problem within a family that is stifling a child's identity and behavior mm. and so they act out out of because when their pers- when that parent is around they're fearful and when they're not they they let everything out i feel like that's what they're trying to represent I, with that and then they medicate a kid Mm. that's what i think is the issue with this movie that it's just it was too too clever too aimed at something they weren't sure yeah because kids aren't going to get that message of like mental health or things like that they're just going to see rick mail being funny and doing stuff but that's the part that's for the parents but then the parents might not see that like i see as an adult now i sit there and go yeah like like you're saying about the pixar movies they're obviously they're kids movies but you want your parents have to watch them too right yeah like um, Inside Out, which I don't mm. think is a very good film, personally. Oh, interesting. I think this does a better job of explaining um, depression and uh, childhood angst and displacement than mm. Inside Out does. That's really interesting. I've, I've still yet to see Inside Out, but it's, mm. it's a film which, whenever it's been brought up by guests on this podcast, has usually had very positive responses. I think it's too big a concept and they, I, it, for them to deal with I think it was a beautiful idea and parts of it are really lovely, but it was too big a concept for them to do the way they did it. Right. Who's your friend that likes to play Bing Bong, Bing, bing Bong? <laughs> I will get that one day. Yeah, when we get to bing Bong is cute, but he's, he's a distraction from what I think they were trying to, to <laughs> do, but he needed to be in there to make kids like the film, otherwise they'd be bored, I think. <laughs> did we have a favourite... Uh, antic from fred in this film because there's a lot to pick from oh man i mean for me you mean favorite oh yeah go i'm just gonna go with the fact because i just read it in my notes it's when he um traps his head in the fridge and then (laughs) has the flat face when he comes back out the mega bitch squashed my head the bitch she squashed my head brilliant i mean i know that it wasn't rick mail but running up those stairs that were actually just a flat surface was so good (laughs) oh when it was the just the fall the fall was just like yeah like so flat and 
such a letdown. It from... might have been him, but I don't think it, I don't think. Yeah, it didn't show his face, so no. you kind of feel like it wasn't. But wait, you mean that wasn't Rick Mail walking on his hands at the start? <laughs> with a terrible cut. It's the only problem with that film is the editing in that cut when he flips over the side. And yeah, it's a clear cut in film. Yeah, that that and the effects of Fred being bounced around when That's he's been true. sneezed that has not aged. It well. was before Jurassic Park, though. So it was. They yeah. didn't have that technology that's true special mention for wiping the poo on the arms of the chairs the <laughs> dog poo all yeah. inside all up there <laughs> yeah just just the extra detail of just yeah. like really wiping it in was just fantastic uh, i have so many i do love um she cheated everyone the lady with the grape it's <laughs> always been my favorite. so okay i must have blinked. you missed it you I were mu- talking no i saw that the lady with the grape but yeah. how did that guy's robe fall because off because he had a a grape um thing on his shoulder right so she goes mm, grapes and she grabs one off the oh, plate she did it. no she goes mm, off the plate that he's oh, carrying right, right. and then rick mail goes Mm, grapes and grabs one off his shoulder and then his whole outfit now, falls off. now this is a question i have though is how much power does Fred have outside of yeah. Liz? Because there's a few things that happen in this film which have seen by other people yeah. interactions with Fred, like the letter that looks like it's from Charles that she believes, which is then... And everyone can see that. Every, yeah, her mum can see that. Same, I... same with the grape. We never see Liz go and touch the grape on the shirt. Yeah, see, I thought you were going to say, how was that guy in the robe not wearing underpants? <laughs> oh, it's a comedy film. He was never going to be wearing never... underpants. Um, <laughs> he was supposed to get paid later. Yeah, for extra things. Yeah, uh, different grape grabbing. Uh, but yeah, the <laughs> like, like it, it's just it's it's a little thing um, that that Fred seems to have this. He can sl- he can actually he can actually affect the real yeah. world physics. Yeah, because like I, I suppose it's like is it fully. You know, it basically is everything we're seeing how Liz imagines it, and would the actual world of the film be just seeing Liz like smashing windows and mm. doing well, all that sort of thing? I, I don't no, think so. No, I think if you were there, if mm. you if you could sneak in and see, you would just see windows smashing mm. because he could move her head and make her say yes when Carrie Fisher yeah. starts. Um, I think it's just him that you can't see. So if he was standing there holding something you would see that. So, is Fred real? Yes. Okay. Despite the fact he's defined as an imaginary friend. No, because the real world defines him as an imaginary friend because they don't understand, they don't like right. the fact so he, that... Right, so he's more like a, I guess, like a demon. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean... A spirit. A spirit. I mean, yeah. we see at the end of the film, he's with another kid who needs an imaginary friend. Well, you see all the whole gang in, yeah. The, yeah. in the office. So, so are you we... You see Velcro head uh, and... the first guy go to hell, Go to hell, Herman! <laughs> <laughs> Namby Pamby. Namby Pamby! The first guy's great with his cape. He goes, ah! <laughs> it's just, it's well, that's just it. Are they all just like kind of crap demons that, that are just... Yeah. Is, is that I think they're physically... They oh, never... I think but they're there to exist for... I kids in the same situation as Elizabeth mm. and so they're, they're it's a job and they have to stay with them until they're happy because I kind of started paying attention to that mm. that detail from when we started to go okay because there was a couple of things that happened early on I went oh but if he's smashing the windows and he's not real how are those windows getting smashed so I was paying attention and I don't didn't see any moment where other people would have been able to see him yeah like he was kind of clever about that. Yeah. Um, 
it's just except it, he got his head caught in a fridge. Surely the fridge door wouldn't have closed. <laughs> it well, his head wouldn't have stretched though if it was. Yeah. Yeah. I I just I think he yeah. I think the goal is in the, the film to say that he is real. her imaginary friend. Mm. Well, we call her, we call him an imaginary friend because we can't see him, yeah. but he is a best friend. Yep, and only her. visible to her. And on, yeah, that's it. Only just like, and that's what I love about that scene in the doctor's surgery because yeah. she can't see go to hell, Herman. Yeah, because well, that's, that's that yeah. kid, and that kid can't see drop dead Fred. <laughs> They're just all dancing around. That's when I'm playing with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I mean, I, I think there is actually now now that. I've, thought about it i think he might actually be a demon because he takes her to like his realm like her imagination i love that scene so it is much. great and it, and it's almost as though he's taken her there just to go like great you don't need me you're strong enough to do yeah. this yourself and it is it is very beetlejuicy and in in the look that which bit, yeah um I, I think was interesting reflecting what you were saying before michael mm. it could just be because it was the early 90s it could be yeah and like tom petty was doing music videos like yeah that. it, yeah. it looks you know, more like the, the you don't come around here no more looking for <laughs> but it is a very effective scene because you have all of her her personal demons turning up yeah. like charles in the car her mother who bursts into flames, freeing herself with the tape from the bed. Oh, stunning. I just think, and I know it's nostalgia, I know it's kind of cheesy, but of course it is because it's it's, well, it it's be the a... things that are holding her back. So she's mm. created that. Well, I love the idea that she's created it. So she has to, he says, use your imagination. That's what she imagines. She imagines every single boundary that's in front of her of being happy. So why wouldn't she manifest it in that sort of way well you're saying like, have that, you been hypnotized before yeah but you're saying that like oh the nostalgia thing was a bit cheesy but you tell me another way that movie could have ended that's it that's exactly there, right there but I, I just say that because i know that it's one of the most critiqued parts of that film and it's like bashed but that, that seems film. like like um people are trying to find something to critique i it? think so I, but yeah. i like if, when you get hypnotized that i did hypnotherapy once and part of that is you you are literally told to uh, envisage your um, like going through a door into your subconscious. Mm. So I don't know, maybe that's just why that resonates with me. Cause I'm like, if she's creating that, that would be how you'd create it. Because when you get hypnotized, your sub you, you, you have to visualize going into your subconscious to actually get into it. Right. Does that make sense? No, it makes sense. So D- I, demon realm and the way <laughs> <laughs> the demon realm. Yeah. And the way Rick, male plays it as well mm. he, the heart, you see the heartbreak that's the completely thing completely different in that yeah. scene he yeah. is such a good actor we forget that like yeah. he was the king, a king of British comedy but he's such a good actor and he's such a handsome beautiful attractive man who plays the most grotesque hideous characters with his eyes slightly apart oh I love him yeah. <laughs> he's so hot and it's like <laughs> but he played so many disgusting characters he did. just go you are Oh, it, it, it is surprising seeing how he looks in this film and then how he looks 20 years odd later when he's um, Paradiso. no uh, when he's when he's playing greg davis's dad yes because uh, oh, yeah, yeah. that because uh, he looks a lot older than i think he was uh and that could just partly be because of his health he problems well yeah. his accident yeah um that i mean that aged he was i don't know what that is i don't what so was in the early 2000s mm-hmm. he had he was out on his farm and he rolled a, qu- a quad bike and yeah. he ended up he died 
then as well. Like he yeah, right. he had to be, I think he was dead for like 14 minutes or something. Wow. Okay. Um, he had a, severe head injuries. Mm. And so he recovered, obviously. Yeah. But I think that did a lot mm. to him. Yes. That was my story that I was talking about. A, friend's, a friend of a friend um, was the sound tech on Bottom Live when he came back. Mm. And he had no short-term memory. His short-term memory was really badly affected. And, of course, mm. all of their all of their punches and sound effects mm. are really hardcore in that. There's, like, I think there was, like, 211 sound cues right. for an hour-long show. And he couldn't hit them. And right. he was so precise. We talked about how precise he was. Mm. And because he couldn't hit his sound cues, he stormed up to the sound desk and yelled at the sound tech and mm. it wasn't his fault. It was that he couldn't remember all the cues. Right. It was just really sad. Yeah. Because it would, before that, they were always precise. Mm. And that's where all those, we were talking about those bottom live outtakes. Yeah. About how funny they are because it's pretty much just Aid Edmondson calling him out and forgetting all his lines. Yeah. Heap of the, the later ones, which is very funny because they, they took it from each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Would you guys like some trivia yes. about Drop Dead Fred? Yeah, yes. Oh, okay. sorry, I kicked the mic. I kicked that's, the mic. That's okay. I'll oh. I'll just kick you right back. Like oh. he did in this <laughs> film to her in the garden. Because oh, I just hit the mic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Grasa. Uh, I do have to say I really enjoyed when he hit her in the face with the shovel because I've forgotten about that. <laughs> Why did that? he get oh. happy? <laughs> so great. Kicks her in the leg and the chair. <laughs> yeah. Right, I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> I hate you, and I'm running away, and I hope you die horribly. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Um, so, we, we talked about alternate castings, and there's a few for a lot of the uh, characters in this film, but obviously for Fred, there wasn't a huge amount of alternates because they wanted Rick mm. yeah, from the start. Uh, but the one who was uh, potentially in line, uh, if, yes, if. Was it Yahoo Serious? It was not Yahoo Serious. Oh. It was uh, Robin Williams, mm-hmm. who uh, was doing Hook at the time. So was I just don't think he's. I don't think he's. Um... Snarky enough. I don't think he no. would have done that. Yeah, I hate like... you, and I don't think you would have believed that. No. I just had a thought. Oh, I don't, this I don't like is... you. I hate you. Yeah, huh. he would have been. Yeah, he would have been improv. The different kind yeah, of been, improv yeah. on this. Oh, I can't run up these this stairs. I'm really... going to try again. Try again. I'm going to try again. I'm just going to keep running up these stairs. I can't seem to run up these stairs. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> I'm just going to run around. I'm a hairy little man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. This film's really <laughs> European. I just find mm. it's interesting if it's got a Dutch director. Mm. Because he, I just had a look. He he only he directed an episode of Miami Vice. He and did. That's it. Oh, I remember that one. Um, <laughs> the I, one where he had an imaginary friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I. It's really European. This mm. film, the humor, fits really in like that Scandinavian sort of, you know, that yeah. era of like dogma films, the DOGME films, mm. and. I did not watch any early... Oh, yeah, I watched a lot of SBS in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not really for the story. No. <laughs> like, have you, if, like, even in the darkest Scandinavian and, you know, that kind of Dutch, those films, mm. there's always some really bleak humour in there. Yeah. They're always what, really, what, really dark. You, what movies are you talking about? I'm talking about the one I can think of is The <laughs> Celebration, or Festen, it's called, mm. and it's full on. It's about a family dinner where a whole bunch of horrific secrets come out, but it's really funny. Yeah. It's actually a black comedy. Where, where are you seeing these movies? SBS. <laughs> oh, yeah, SBS. SBS. Oh, you well, no, I saw that one because they made a they made a, a, a theater show out of it that oh, my right. sister was in, and then right. um, so I just I saw that and then became interested in the films. But yeah. then 
dogma just they're danish they're danish films mm-hmm. there's a whole bunch of them um they go under that title d-o-g-m-e is how it's spelled mm. but this using you know a really stark snowy <laughs> background and dutch speaking actors you could you could fit it into yeah, right. a euro world because yeah was, it doesn't always feel american no you're when right when he kicks in it just changes all like it yeah. doesn't feel British either, though, does it? No, it yeah, doesn't. The, That's why I, mean, I was thinking that real Yahoo serious kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. That's why I've said Yahoo serious a lot. There is something really funny <laughs> about hearing a little American girl running out and going, and then he told me to piss off. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lovely... What a pile of shit. <laughs> Starting a whole film yeah. Yeah. with that. Uh, Winona Ryder was the director, uh, De Jong's uh, first choice for the role of Elizabeth after seeing her in Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands and Heathers. But working title executive Tim Bevan felt that she was too young for this particular part. Um, The role was offered to her, but she turned it down because she was busy doing Mermaids. Aw, that's a good choice. Yeah. Uh, And also she didn't want to get typecast in the strange comedies like she already had been. Uh, She would have been terrible. How old would she have been in that? She would have been 20... 23 oh, okay. she's so, quite yeah. young uh, some of the other actors who were considered uh, simple yes or no if you think these would have been good um, foils for Rick Mayo uh, Molly Ringwald yeah I think she would have been alright she would have been too old she probably would have been but just I, yeah I think she could have done quite a good job I don't think there would have been I don't think they could have been a too old uh, maybe I wonder if they cast um, Marsha Mason as her mother when they were asking Molly Ringwald to be the to be Phoebe Cates' character. Oh, that's a good point, yeah. Because she looks like she could be Molly Ringwald's mother. That's a fair call. Hello, Maurice. Maurice Ringwald. Um, <laughs> Julia Roberts? No. no. Jesus, no. no. Um, sorry, Julia. She was too busy <laughs> slam- slamming Spielberg for heaps of cash for a terrible performance. Wasn't she in Hook? Yeah. yeah, she was yeah. shit. By slamming, you mean basketball, right? I Take, mean, like, challenging I mean, hoops. like, give us all the money. Didn't she get like ten million dollars for that horrific role? Yeah, she's always on inside the actors' studio. I'm like, but you're not. An, why are you on this show? She's a good actor, is she? but not in Hook. Is she? She didn't want to do that role. She, tw- it's something like fifteen, twenty million. I reckon she mm. got for that. Is ridiculous. Okay, well, so you said she didn't want to do it. Yeah. But then if you were, if you're like, I don't want to do this. Oh, 20 million? Cool. Yeah, but you still got to do a performance. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> Jack Nicholson didn't want to do Batman and he asked for 20 million so they gave him 20 million and he put in a great performance. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger, he didn't want to be Mr. Freeze, but they Did he paid... put in a great performance? He did. Did he? He had to sit in makeup nice for... to meet you. He had to <laughs> He got battery acid in his mouth every day from You know the what Earth I've just realized right now? What? Every time we've done this it's been about Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> That's twice now. Yeah. I don't know how many have we we've been, we've, this is our second. Yeah. Mm. He's, he's yeah. always going to crop up. He's always going to crop up. Eyes to meet you. Eyes to meet you. He's Godwin's actor. Um, <laughs> okay, everybody. Chill. Was Gen- he going to be maybe cast as... <laughs> and then we pour out. <laughs> uh, I don't believe so. As um, Phoebe Cates' character. As Phoebe Cates' character. The, the other... Um, Charles! <laughs> Charlie! <laughs> The other potential option for uh, playing the part of Elizabeth was uh, Uma Thurman. No. No. What was she doing then? Pulp Fiction was 92? Yeah, it was still a couple of years away. Uh, What's that film she did? Um, I can't remember. (laughs) Point is, not this one. No. Um, Grandma uh, Bunce is played by the director's mother. 
Um, right. For the scene where she gets paint thrown on her, they used yogurt uh, rather than paint. She said she was still finding it in her ears weeks later. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh, Grandma Buns. <laughs> it's brilliant. It comes and out it, of nowhere. And it's, awesome. it's a great introduction to the sort of chaos that Fred is going yep. to bring. Yeah. It's just wonderful. It's so and I just like the director kind of just going, I'm going to throw yogurt all over my mom. Yeah. <laughs> Take that, man. Crazy Dutch. Mm. Uh, the writers, Anthony Fingleton and Carlos Davis, wrote the part for uh, Rick Mail, the part of Fred. Um, Rick Mail ended up throwing ideas into the script, such as the opening, um, where he said, where she goes, what a pile of shit. Yes. Uh, and also the sinking of the houseboat was, was his idea. Uh, Phoebe Cates also came up with an idea, um, which was actually quite important to the film, which is that Drop Dead Fred is seen in some shots and not in others. Yeah, cool. Oh, like that scene we talked about where Carrie Fisher is, wheels out the chair. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, as she wheels it out, we can't see him, but when it wheels through to Phoebe Cates, we can, Yeah, which is really cool. That was really good. It was yeah. a really r- r- rare moment of a well-done So simple. But, yeah. But, yeah. yeah, but so is doing a backflip. <laughs> <laughs> Shortly after the film's release, uh, Carlos Davis and Anthony Thingleton along with the producer Paul Webster, began working with Polygram, uh, working title films and New Line Cinema on a potential sequel, with Mail reprising the role of Fred. Uh, Mail declined to return for the role, so the sequel was reworked to be with a then relatively unknown Jim Carrey. Mm. Is that The Mask? You're talking about The Mask? Uh, no, it, it, it didn't become The oh, Mask, okay. I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> this version was scrapped due to uh, some financial dif- financial difficulties that Polygram were facing and also the fact that Carrie had signed on to do Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Um, the idea was then workshopped in the early 2000s uh, with Mail back on board. I remember that. Uh, the sequel didn't materialise because of his uh, health problems. In 2009, working title Universal Pictures began working on a remake with Russell Brand as That's Fred. That's right. No. Uh, this was pa- uh, scrapped, sorry, after uh, the box office failure of the remake of Arthur. Yeah. Good. So, yeah. Also, Russell Brand? Yeah. Piss off. <laughs> he would have just come in shouting. <laughs> I'll kick my dog, yeah? Kicked him down the stairs. I'm smart. <laughs> Katy Perry. <laughs> I think yeah. he'd learn the lines. I don't think he'd just say what's <laughs> happening in his life. Would he? I think he would. Yeah. It's not very <laughs> on brand for him. Hey <laughs> uh, Some of the actors that were considered for the role of Charles were Alec Baldwin. Yeah. Jeff Goldblum. Nah. Would have been too weird. Yeah. Uh, and Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis is Charles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? Rick Moranis is in the majority of my favourite films, so yeah. I'd, he'd be in another one. That's yeah. fine. He wouldn't be right for the role. but No, he'd be terrible for the role. That's so funny. <laughs> just trying to imagine him on the phone to Annabelle, trying to like convince us that he's a scumbag. He would have actually Annabelle. been a good Nigel. Yeah, he would have been he a good been, Nigel. Yeah. Yeah. That's where he should have been. Yeah. Uh, That's ridiculous. Some That's of the so actors funny. who were considered for Mickey Bunce were Josh Brolin. Oh, he'd been all right. Michael J. Fox. Yeah. Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah. Uh, Keanu Reeves. Nah. And Char- Come on, Keanu Reeves. Well, well, have some spaghetti. <laughs> You're just so weird. <laughs> oh, I want to see this now. Hey, door to window service. <laughs> because uh, because they would have had Winona Ryder and Keanu, it would have been like Dracula. Yeah. Yeah. And he would have done his English accent. God, that would have been funny. The two of them in another film. No. Yeah. 
Anthony Michael Hall, because Anthony Michael, this guy just, did he just want to make Beetlejuice? I think he did. Or Edward Scissorhands again. He just wanted Maybe. to be Burton, didn't he? Well. Because Anthony Michael Hall's in um, Scissorhands. Well, that's what I was thinking. The guy right at the beginning when she's parked her car near the phone booth and the first guy that comes along with the hammer when he's walking. Yeah. He's, he looked and walked like, don't know his name, the, but he's, he's in Beetlejuice, the guy who ends up, oh, and he's in Ferris Bueller. He's the principal in Ferris Bueller. Oh, Red oh, the, Bueller. The, the, no, no, no the, the the one who uh, the actor who got done. Oh, for... you mean um Jeffrey Jones? Yeah, he yeah. Kind the... of walked and moved like him. I was oh, like, God. Oh, like, because I did obviously yeah. I didn't know the movie, so I'm thinking, oh, they've got a Jeffrey Jones. I didn't yeah. know his name, but they've got that guy in this. But he was just yeah. a bit part. So yeah, they should have got him to do that. I, I, yeah, it's uh, both good and bad that we can go. Uh, you know, the actor who got done for, and everyone goes, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. Jeffrey Jones. Jeffrey Jones. Uh, the final uh, potential actor for the role of Mickey Bunce was Charlie Sheen. I'm just going to preemptively say no, no on that yeah. one. I just think. Although he was doing. Did he do. He would have done Hot Shots. Yes. This was well, Emilio Estevez would have been better. Yeah, but he was doing Loaded Weapon, <laughs> which is the best spoof movie ever made. Well, I just think the the way that they've done it, you've got Rick Mail. The only other real, I mean, okay, Tim Matheson, yes. But the only other real known person was essentially Carrie Fisher. Mm. And Phoebe right? Cates, because she was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Right. See, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. yeah. So, but, but she's the main character. But having all the others, mm. having, who was, you know, um, having, I can't remember what we were just talking about. What, Marsha Mason as Polly and... Just Molly, having, Molly, oh, um, oh, you mean having, yeah. Just having, having Rick Mail as the, the main sort of star. Yeah, attraction. I don't think you needed um, Matthew Broderick, not that he was mentioned, but you know. No, I know what you, you mean. You don't yeah. need those people yeah. to be in these other parts. Yeah. Except for the fact it was critically panned and no one really understood and went to see it. But yes, I, I agree with you. I think. Well, I feel film, like it wouldn't have made a difference. I think it might yeah. have detracted from it. Like having, having Charlie Sheen show up, you'd be like, oh, that's. Oh, yeah, if you're watching it now, you'd be like, wow, mm. there's Charlie Sheen. You wouldn't be going, oh, there's. An actor, great. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I totally get what you what you mean there. The interior sets were built and filmed at Paisley Park Studios in Minnesota. Oh, Prince, Prince's oh. house. Prince's uh, house. Prince secretly visited the set at night. I bet he did. Um, he because that's what he used to do. Mm. Mm. Jump dead, Prince. Mm. <laughs> mm. Went on around and looking like. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it was also the first movie to not star Prince uh, to be filmed there. Little drop dead friend. Do 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 do. Oh god. Oh man, I bet I. You know what? I'm going to say this. This is true. I'm going to. I'm going to say this as a fact. Yeah. He wrote a film score to this. Prince did. Prince. Yep. He wrote and recorded a film score. Uh, I guarantee you when it's and in his vault. It will come out at some point in yep. the future. No, because with what Batman. It sounds like making mud pie. <laughs> because. <laughs> Um, was it Batman? He did the song for... Did he do the he entire did, score? He did the whole score. Yeah, Bat because all Bat they Dance. wanted was, was one song. And then he's like, I just did a whole score for you. Yeah. And then recorded an entire score. And they're like, oh, well, I guess we better use it. So I can guarantee you there is Drop Dead Fred music out there. <laughs> Surely it should be, be awesome. this is what it sounds like when pigeons f- <laughs> <laughs> Standing on their heads and pecking. <laughs> The scene where Polly tapes up the Jack in the Box containing Fred was based off an actual incident that happened to a friend of the co-writer Carlos Davis named Steve Burnett. Burnett's mother Gloria had an imaginary friend when she was younger, but 
her mother, so Steve's grandmother, mm. uh, couldn't stand the fact that her daughter had an imaginary friend. So it got to the point where Gloria's mother took the imaginary friend and flushed it down the toilet, oh. traumatizing Gloria for three years. <laughs> now, I, I bring this up because a uh, <laughs> contributor to the podcast uh, frequently, Ellen, had a similar experience. Uh, she had an imaginary friend um, that was with her and her cousin on like a car trip and they were arguing because they were young and that's what they do and I think it was like the imaginary friend was sitting between them and the cousin didn't like this or you know just the way kids fall out with each other and her cousin threw her imaginary friend out of the car (laughs) while it was driving and obviously this massively upset Ellen and um yeah like don't don't mess with imaginary friends they really can cause some trauma did you have an imaginary friend when you were growing up um no i don't think i did i i'm I'm thinking back and i used to i used to imagine lots of things but i tended to my the way i imagined things was more based around sort of like stories like my, right. my, i used to imagine i'd imagine things like i saw the borrowers and i was like if i was in like a public place i'd be like where are all these borrowers living like where, <laughs> where would they live that would yeah. be my more my thing right. um i'd see like a cool concept in in something and try and like imagine it in the real world but i don't think you just didn't have a very good imagination as a kid is that yeah yeah i just couldn't i I could only imagine entire societies not not like a single (laughs) person yeah i assume you did then yeah i did yeah did you uh no my my sister and i we would make toys we'd make characters and we had one called we had a theme song and everything. <laughs> and I completely forgot about it until just now. Um, it was made out of, you know, you get those one centimetre wooden cubes. Yeah. And I, we think we stuck two together. So it was a two by one called Block Cubicle. <laughs> what was the theme song? You I must think it remember. Was, yeah, I, I can. And I, it, this is probably going to breach some copyright. Um, but it was like, Block Cubicle. Block cubicle, new kids on the block cubicle. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, uh, my sister was a fan of the new kids on the block. Uh, I don't know if you could oh get that from there. Um, yeah, new kids on the block cubicle. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't imaginary. That was real. That shit was real. Yeah. So leave me alone. <laughs> okay. Now tell us about your crazy imaginary friend. Then. Uh, I had. Um, I didn't have one. I had four. They were Noncy, Gonzi, Ponzi, and Lucy, and they were jerks. They were <laughs> before Drop Dead Fred came out, so I was about three, I think, yeah. and they just did made everything go wrong. So, but it was always Lucy's fault. Noncy, yeah. Gonzi, and Ponzi were great, and Lucy was a devil, yeah. and she did everything wrong. So you're the person who you were talking about before. Mm. Um, whose friend got thrown out the window yeah. and yours. Do you, is there a memory of that, that where it was real or you no, just always knew it was? I don't remember them at all. Mm-hmm. My parents and my sister, my sister's eight years older, mm-hmm. they have memories burnt into their brain of these imaginary friends. Yeah. So I 100% had people that I thought existed. Yeah. And then one day they didn't, but I don't remember them at all. So my mentality would be that if my four, three or four year old had an imaginary friend and it was that, and it seemed real, I'd, I'd be thinking there's ghosts. Like we've got to move out of this house. It's mm. haunted. So that's, that's, what I'm, that's why I'm wondering. 
Yeah. You know, like well, not everyone about had the a... same time I thought I saw a ghost as well. So that Maybe I remember. Maybe it was Lucy. This <laughs> Lucy just... Yeah. I, I remember seeing... This is going to sound... Well, I'm going to say... I remember seeing a ghost on Great Eastern Highway. I was, I was driving, so I wasn't a kid. Or was I? No, I was actually driving. Yeah. I was going down Great Eastern Highway. They were doing construction. I don't remember where. Vic Park. Somewhere mm-hmm. in Vic Park. And there was a fence, you know, a big chicken wire fence up mm-hmm. covering a thing. And there was somebody sitting on the wooden... Where they, you know, they have the logs that stop cars from going into parks. Yeah. And one of those, there was someone sitting on that in the fence. See, I wow. thought you were just yeah. going to say that you saw a sheet hanging on a speed sign and thought no. that was the ghost. <laughs> no, this was a person. Okay. And I remember looking going, oh, that's really weird. This person was sitting, like the fence was in this person. It wasn't like Wednesday Adams where she paints herself to be the It could the have been an early form of street art. <laughs> mm. No, I, yeah. I believe you. Well, I mean, that's what I saw. That's I'm, what you saw. You know, whether it was a could have been person a, uh, sitting... Someone went, oh, let's cut a hole in this fence and I'll make it look like I'm sitting through it. That could have been a thing. Could have been a uh, traffic inspector. <laughs> inspector. Oh, that was really oh. good, actually. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I you know that thing of... It's terrible... So I shouldn't laugh, but I'm mainly not laughing because I really respect that joke. That is my demographic. So <laughs> thank you very much. I don't want laughter. Yeah, I, I want just respect. I, yeah, I just want respect for my jokes, please. Respecter. Um, the the final uh, bit of trivia: the mud pie that sprays mud on Charles's pants was controlled by compressed air tubes from underneath the table. At one point, something went wrong with the tubes, resulting in mud spraying all over the crew. And over an uninsured prop painting that was worth $100,000. But it's a prop painting. How could it be worth $100,000? It was a really good one, <laughs> I'm oh. guessing. Renoir came in and just did a prop painting. Yeah. I, he's no, the, he's you an set artist, I know. Dresses will have just gone, we'll make this and this will be safe. Yeah. Like, I've been on a film set before where I've had to have a tantrum and smash up a garage yeah. because it was, like, no budget. Mm-hmm. The set designers had gotten all this stuff from their mum's house so they (laughs) so they were like okay so you have to cry and scream and smash things but you can't smash this 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 and this and you've got four seconds to shoot this scene so it was terrifying because it was a one take shot and I bet that's what's happened. They've got no because they want to make that place look like he's got money. And, yeah, you know that. And it was like it's just going to squirt out on his leg. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, and it's exploded. <laughs> oh. Well, like the the um the sinking houseboat when he first looks at all the pipes and he just smashes those things. You <laughs> imagine they're like, oh shit! Why did you? Why are you breaking one, that? One one take. Not, they're mm. not cheap. <laughs> yeah. Oh. With all that being said and done, all that remains is to score the film. Uh, so this is where we give it a score out of 10 to sort of reflect how we feel about it. Mm. Michael, this was your first time watching it, so you get to go first. What would you give Drop Dead Fred out I would, of 10? I would poo out a 9. <laughs> <laughs> I would, like, it was, it's so worth watching. It's mm. even... like you know, you know, you kind of have these thoughts about movies. I really like The Goonies. Mm. I really do. But is that just because I grew up with it? No, you it's know? a great film. But, you know, there are there movies like that? Like Dark Crystal, you know? Like, I feel like if you didn't grow up with that and you watch that now, you're like, what the hell? So, I don't... I think that it's not just that if you've grown... I didn't grow up with The Goonies, and I yeah. first watched it about five years ago, yeah. and I loved it. Okay, but my point is that you you think that these movies are good when you're, you're kids, and some of them, they're really just not anymore. They're, yeah. But this one, seeing it for the first time... 
it's really good. Yeah. Mm. So I don't think it's yeah the visual effects are dated, but whatever. Have you, you ever watched you Tim and Eric? You forgive it as well. Like, yeah. It's yeah. Like, oh, you know yeah. what they're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. They're I, not I trying to convince people. Yeah, know? it's meant to be wacky and wild. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so yeah, I would highly just say just yeah, just watch it. Don't be an idiot. Okay. Mm. Uh, Tegan, it. what score would you give uh, Drop Dead Fred? I will give this oh, 10. Why am I even yeah, pretending? Don't even think um, about it. I, I think it's uh, a 10 still. I think it is, and I really only thought this on this last viewing, it is a much more intelligent film than people give it credit for. Mm. I think people are foolish if they don't see that in the film. Mm. Um you're given a schooling in amazing humour, but also a film that's layered for every member of the family. Mm. Um, and it's still... It, I Like, this would be over, over 200 times that I've seen this film. Wow. I would happily say that because we had it on VHS when I was... So it was kid. A, um, we taped it on GW off GW and I played it every single day. You used to where the ads are supposed to be? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm still, the same with yeah. the Goonies. I know that with Spaceballs. I know that with this one. I know that with Eric the Viking. Like, mm. there's certain films like that. Um, and I just... It just doesn't ever waver. I still laugh at the jokes. I love yeah. showing it to people. I'm so... It was so... Not, as soon as, oh, Grandma Bunce, and the paint hit, yeah. and you two pissed yourselves, I was like, this is going to be great. Yeah. This is going to be absolutely fine. Yeah. I I really enjoyed this as well. Um, I'm not yeah. going to score it as highly as, as the both of you have. And initially, when we were about halfway through, my score was going to be not low, but it wasn't going to be great because I found myself going, this feels like quite a long film. And I know the runtime yeah. isn't. But then as you get further into the film, um, I think it's, you, you can see what it's attempting to do. And in a lot of cases, it's succeeding. Primarily, it's there to be funny and it's mm. funny. It is it is a funny comedy. Rick Mail is absolutely amazing and is is just pulling out an incredible performance. The rest of the supporting cast around the, around him is excellent. Um, my main issues with it, um, I feel as though there's a bit of clunkiness in some of the some of the story, but I also feel as though it's nothing major. It didn't yeah. spoil any sort of level of enjoyment. And you're right, there are technical foibles, but that's because of the passage of time more yeah. so than anything. Um, I. I, I really liked it and it really sort of um, the more it went on the more I found myself enjoying it so I'd definitely say uh, watch it you dummies as, as yeah. Michael mm. would say and I, I would give it um, I'm going to give it seven pigeons having sex uh, by I'm pecking each give other it on the head ten of Murray's wet dreams out of ten <laughs> yeah that was gross <laughs> kiss uh, your mother with that mouth that brings us to the end of this episode and our review of Drop Dead Fred. Um, Tegan and Michael, thank you very much for watching this. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you. Drop Dead Fred is also the reason I know that I can put my ears inside out. <laughs> you can do the, the Rick yeah. Mail thing where he yeah. puts the ear in. I can. I think I've ever tried. She's, I'll just commentate on it for the audience at home. So you fold it. She's popping them in. And then you put it in. So they're holding themselves. Da, 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 da. And then they pop back out. <laughs> Trust me, audience, it's amazing. No, I can't do it. Yeah, uh, I, I, I had an audition today, and that was my fun fact about myself. And then I had to demonstrate it, and then I realised I probably won't get this job because <laughs> it was for a really serious, <laughs> heartfelt ad. You jumped up on the table and threatened to poo them out. It was... <laughs>
cornflakes disease. Yeah. For oh, God, cornflakes disease was great. Association yeah, for the deaf. Mm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> cornflakes is my sister's favourite part of the film. Mm. She loves that. All right. Well, for those of you listening at home, thank you very much for listening in. Hey, uh, we have a Facebook page and you can like that and get information about upcoming films and also just send us comments, whatever you want. What's also, your favorite? go on Rotten Tomatoes and up the, up the score. score on this film, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Christ. You know what? If everyone on that page uh, did that, we might get it into the maybe like 15% range, which yeah. would be nice. Because um, it, it is ridiculous that it's ranked that low. This world has gone to hell. Yeah. It's like, it's just another example. Everything that's wrong <laughs> With this world. First Game of Thrones and now this. Then the election. Even my daughter's netball game sucked. Stupid. Actually, I'm sorry. Everything's going really well for me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, white man, calm down. (laughs) Uh, We are also available on iTunes or SoundCloud to subscribe to, uh, should you wish, to get a fresh episode each and every week. Mm -mm. And, of course, uh, we have a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast and get some bonus goodies. But that's all for this week, so until next time... Piss off! You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. It's really strange. Hey, mate. (laughs) I'm deadly allergic to cats. No, don't. I can do the rest of the podcast. It's fine. No, don't. Ah, Chew. Bing, 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 bing. (laughs) Gladiolas. Yeah.